Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. It has been quite a while since we enjoyed an interview on this show. And so today we have Celtic Throne Tour Manager David Vihill with us. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yes. Thanks for doing this. We did engage in many rounds of urgent negotiations to find a gap in your busy schedule so that we could actually make this work. It does, it does uh, happen a lot where it's pretty hard to link up with other people around here with the different jobs that we all have because you do have other responsibilities besides the tour as well. Yes, we both are IA teachers, for example, so it's hard to uh, skip class for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Celtic Throne is uh, a music and dance production, and I believe this is the fourth year that we've done it. And if you are not familiar with Celtic Throne, this this ought to be your year to check it out because it really is uh, just a fantastic show. It's high energy. It, the dance, the the costumes, the lighting, the sound is just incredible. I've heard it compared to River Dance, except basically all children. There's some young adults as well, but there's a lot of children in this show. It does track uh, the the migration it's it's basically miraculous migration of a music and dance loving people the jews or at least some of them who went to ireland scotland england and then the united states it's a real story uh it it involves a royal throne as well and if you want to learn more about that you can go to thetrumpet.com and get a free copy of the united states and britain in prophecy that will give you an idea of what the show is really all about. And yet at the same time, uh, audience members could take a lot of different messages from a show like this. It, it doesn't really push one narrative too hard, in my opinion. It, it does have a lot of different details that different audience members could appreciate. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe you could just give us some backstory, Mr. Hill. just how many tour seasons there have been so far Uh, different locations where the troupe has performed sure we're on our fourth tour this year the uh, first one started in 2020 and we were in three cities edmond rapid city and branson and uh, i think you just see god's hand in it as we slowly ramp up over the years add more cities more locations Um, so that was like a great just start kind of a step in the water kind of thing well, and, 2020 as well, you had to really be selective about where you could even go because so many places were either completely shut down or had a lot of restrictions. A place like Rapid City, South Dakota was really just a beacon of freedom during that time because they I don't think they ever had any sort of mask mandate or even any sort of like two week lockdown like everywhere yeah. else in the whole country did. So South Dakota was really a place that we needed to go that first year. Yeah. And that was, uh, that place, that theater was the first real big theater that we performed outside of Armstrong auditorium. So that was, 
around the feast time and we had a good home crowd, so to speak, cheering us on and a lot of time to set up for it. And that was, I think, just great for training everyone. And then Branson was a smaller theater. It was only possible because of the COVID restrictions there. Um, but this theater opened up for us and I think we had, it was less than a hundred for, uh, I think both of those nights. So small steps. And as God says, you just don't want to make fun of the, the small beginnings there, but that, that was a great start for the touring season. Yeah. And Branson and Missouri normally is a prime, uh, tourist destination. So we've been back there since, right? Yes. We, we do like to go, uh, to places like that because a lot of people, spend their summer vacations in a place like that it's just like it's basically like a small patriotic version of like disney world but mm -hmm. it's not just one park it's like a whole town that's just built around people going there for vacation yeah yeah it was a it was a great spot we went back there um last year so the um it is harder to get into cities where there are a lot of other uh, entertainment sources and alternatives. So it just, it makes it more challenging for marketing standpoint, but we really did like city. It is like you said, patriotic. And I, th and I think the locals there, at least this last year that did show up for the show <clears throat> really appreciated it. So then after that, we, we had another year of tours and we hit nine cities that time. There was Edmond, Tulsa. We went to Memphis, Tennessee, that famous Orpheum theater. Um, there was a, theater in Irving, Texas, in that Dallas area, Austin, Texas, Nashville. That was the first year we were able to go to Ryman Auditorium, Little Rock in Arkansas, Amarillo, and um, Alabama. Then last year, we expanded it even more. Amarillo, Branson, Denver, Huntsville, Rapid City, Mount Rushmore, Nashville, Tulsa. So it just gets bigger and bigger. Then this year, we're going to uh, have about 16 performances. Uh, three in Edmond, but we're going to go to Dayton and Columbus and Ohio. We're going to go to Washington, D.C. Uh, we're going to go to Wilmington, Delaware, York, Pennsylvania, Millville, New Jersey, Providence, Rhode Island, Raleigh, New North Carolina, Richmond, and Virginia Beach, Virginia, Louisville, Kentucky, and Nashville again. And there's still one other city that we haven't signed yet, so <laughs> another location to be determined hopefully by next week. Right, and people can go to CelticThrone.com and search the tour dates and hopefully... If there is a location near you, uh, try to try to go if you can. It really is uh, just an incredible show. Yeah, what's great too is even if we're not in a city near you, there is a live stream performance so that the performances in Edmond are going to be streamed online, and you can find uh, the way the tickets for that and how to how to watch that at Armstrong Auditorium uh, that website. But even if you're not around, you can see still see it live at least the Edmond performances. Okay, good. I was wondering about if they did still show live streams this season. So just in Edmond, obviously that would be a lot more difficult to do on the road, but mm -hmm. we have all the equipment set up here to make that happen. Yes. At least, at least at our home base. Yes. In, in and the show's, the show's really built for the theater here. So it's, I think it's always the best shows are the ones in Edmond. Okay, great. So do you have any sort of uh, estimate about how many people ha we have performed in front of to this point going on the fourth season so i looked at the numbers over the years and it is a little, a little bit difficult to get something precise because not every theater gave me information on the actual number of people that showed up but when i looked at the numbers i think it's around twelve thousand people nice 
yeah, over over three years, and we're going to add hopefully another several thousand to that that number. So at this point, our our venue's starting to find out a little bit more about just how we've done in the past with with other seasons, and uh, is our reputation preceding us a little bit in those negotiations? I think because um, we're still uh, we haven't like broken out in, in the sense that theaters are asking us to come and perform there. A lot of theaters still don't know about us, but I will say over the years, it has definitely gotten a lot easier to get contact with the venues. So when you talk, when you tell them that you performed in Ryman auditorium, you performed in Austin, Texas, you performed in the Orpheum in Memphis, their ears uh, perk up, so to speak. They know that we're legitimate, that, um, it's not just some kind of like amateurish performance. So that's always helped us. It, it's also helped us in the times where we've gone through areas that, um, we we've been before. So Amarillo has always been welcoming to us. Ryman has always been welcoming to us. So once they see it, they, they kind of get hooked pretty much in uh, many of the finnies, um, especially the ones that are in those more patriotic areas and the and the staff is more patriotic in those places. They've always talked about, Oh, we, we want you back or let's talk about another year. So, um, that's, that's what I've seen. And then I think too, that when, whenever they see like our, our ads or like the artwork that we produce in the posters, whenever I'm in contact with the venues, whenever they see that they, I can tell they just immediately get more excited when they see the artwork, when they see the ad and they realize, wow, this is really good. Do you ever send out a highlight reel so that they can <laughs> see what it really looks like? So we, we actually do when it comes to the media, we'll send that out, um, to try to get, um, interviews from the media, the theaters themselves, just links to the website, which has a few of our trailers on there is pretty much all they get. But when it comes to the media, um, you know, interviews that a lot of that has to do with if you advertise with them or not. So, um, some it's, it's rare to get, get interviews outside of that context, but it has happened before where they do see it and they, and they really want it. it I think it's a weird, weird coincidence. And, and then I say coincidence, but I think this is all just God's doing here, but I believe it was in Denver. There was a reporter who had worked here at OKC for a while. And so when they found out the show was from OKC, they were willing to interview us without doing any advertising. So, um, and, and then I think they always find it fun because you can have the dancers dance on, on TV. And sometimes the, uh, anchors will, will try to do a little bit dance there too. I think you can, (laughs) I think you can find some of those interviews on our YouTube channel or, or maybe it's, um, maybe on our website, but they're always kind of fun to see see our dancers do that and, and, uh, relate with those media personnel. Right. So, so how would you describe a typical contract negotiation with one of these venues? Do you have to go back and forth a lot or what's that process like? The process is what the way I view the process is it's just basically God opening doors. Um, it starts with me getting direction from Mr. Stephen Flurry, Mr. McDonald about where they want to go in a time frame, And then it, you just get kind of like a geographical region of the United States. And then you hit as many theaters as you can. We have some specific things we look for primarily like stage size. It is a big show. Not every theater has a big enough stage for you know, 30 plus performers. 
and then also because we're still not that well known, we're trying to avoid like the 3000 theaters. Um, and those theaters are huge. Normally the stages are always big enough in those, but, uh, we don't, we, we just want to make, make sure it's an attainable target. So I'll go through the cities in the region and I'll just contact theater after theater. And, and I probably contacted it like around 150 theaters if not more, even for this tour alone. And then some small percentage <laughs> uh, returns the call or the email. And so I think that's that's why I say it's just got opening doors because you just throw out all the information and, and then which, whichever one's contact is great. So then at that point, then um, we get more information about the theater, our technical team over here reviews, make sure it fits the show. And if it does, then we start talking about dates and what dates do they have open. So it's actually a lot of back and forth when it comes to making sure that the theater fits for us technically, but also they have the availability for us. Once that's all set though, for the most part, like negotiations and the, and the signing of the contract goes pretty smoothly. It's, um, we, we don't have a whole lot of leverage, you know, if, if we don't, if we don't like their terms, for example, then they can just tell us, okay, I'll see you later. And then I'll just be looking for more theaters or coming back to and say, okay. Uh, so there, there, uh, it, it, that part goes smooth. It's just the, the part before then that, that there's just a lot of back and forth asking questions about technical schematics and things like that. Um, and because there's so few that do respond, it's just like every time someone responds, it's just really important. And it's, to me, it's just God shown us where, where we should go. And then, um, especially if the dates are right, right. There are times where everything works out, but maybe the dates aren't right. And then, um, they, they tell us, Oh, make sure you hit us back next year if you're, if you're around kind of thing. So that's how that process goes. Um, a lot of prayer. I know we, we sent some prayer requests out to the Philadelphia news. And, um, each time we did that, I, it seemed like God answered that in the next day or two. It was really good. Um, because some of these theaters with, they're, they're actually still kind of in COVID mode where the staff might be on a week off a week. So it can take a while for them to respond even. So, wow. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. But to me, it's just God opening doors and, and then trying, trying to make sure that we walk through them. And then, uh, maybe there's a door that like slightly cracked open and, then, um, you know, we're going to do everything we can to open it to, to see if that's what God wants us. Sometimes he tests us in that way as well. So these venues obviously have a lot of other, events they're trying to schedule regular events and keep people coming in so how far in advance do you have to try to plan out a tour that that um is a good point i actually started contacting theaters around october last year which is still not a whole lot of time i'd actually lined up a few over last summer but then the direction changed so (laughs) (laughs) that does happen but you could you could go a year in advance, um, for the shows that, that, um, the theaters aren't putting them, putting on themselves. And, uh, the difficulty in that too, though, is that some of the policies in the theaters, you have to actually put down a, a non-refundable deposit. Uh, if you want to, if you want to lo- kind of lock down those dates, we're not always ready to do that in a year in advance, but, um, you know, I, I think I'm always kind of keeping that in mind for the future though because it does help if you have more time some theaters though they for for a show like ours um they may not really think anything of it um even three months in advance so it it just kind of changes based on the theater and what kind of market they have 
Okay. So you obviously are heavily involved with setting up the tour locations and dates, the venues, and then you also go on the road, right? Whenever, mm-hmm. uh, whenever Celtic throne goes out to these different destinations. So what is tour life like? It is a lot of fun and a lot of work. <laughs> Each day is kind of different. It, it, you know, some days we might be driving all day from going to one city to another city. So that just involves sitting in a, in a vehicle. And then when you get how to many hotel, vehicles is the caravan? Uh, we're getting larger vans, uh, over as time progresses. So this caravan, I think is going to be about five, five or six vehicles. Um, that includes like the crew truck. I think last year it was more like, um, maybe an extra vehicle. And I think that, that tour, that first tour in like 2020 or a second tour in 2021, that one must've had like seven or eight vehicles. (laughs) (laughs) So we're getting a little bit more efficient about that. Um, and then when you hit, when you arrive to a hotel room, then it's about unloading. Um, there's just a lot that goes into food prep this last year. We start basically bringing our, our own in-house caterer, food preparer. The kitchen was able to do that this year. It'll be, um, the March family. And there's just a lot of work that goes in, into that unloading all the food supplies, making sure they're set to start making us dinner. And then keeping our, kind of an eye on everyone, making sure everyone knows when dinner is and, and things like that. So that, that actually takes a lot of time unloading and, and loading and getting that ready. When it's a, a day performance, normally the, the tech crew's there setting up um, the day before that morning at eight. And so the performers show up just after lunch and then it's a rehearsal. It's rehearsal and sound checks. So stage crew's getting ready. Everyone's kind of practicing their cues everyone's kind of scoping out the size of the stage where they need to be, how far they need to go out and their various dance moves and things like that. So that's, um, you know, uh, several hours right there, basically until dinner time. And then after dinner time, everyone gets dressed and ready for the show. Uh, we had the show after the show, um, we have a meet and greet with the audience. And then as soon as that's done, all the performers are back and they're getting changed and then helping to load out the theater and so everyone's pitching in, packing up clothes, packing up lights, getting Marley floor rolled up. And, and you have like everyone all the way down to even younger teens helping out with that. So it's a really long, long day for them. And then we're probably done around anywhere between 1030 and 11. So it's pretty late night. And then you go back to the hotel and then depending on the schedule, you, we might have to get up at eight or nine. Uh, I mean, start not get up, but leave at eight or nine to get to the next place. So at least you don't have to leave in the middle of the night to go to the next location. It's not, it's not that jam packed. Thankfully. Yeah. You, thankfully. You, those, those dancers need a lot of sleep. It's a very tiring yeah. tour for the performers, especially, but I think definitely for the crew as well. And then obviously anyone who watches the trumpet daily has seen that you track down audience members after the show and you oh, get yeah. their reaction. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a tough job, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> you obviously have a Celtic Throne shirt on, so they know mm-hmm. that you're associated with the show in some way, probably. But, I mean, how is that? I mean, are people genuinely pretty willing to tell how they enjoyed it? Yeah, um, I think it helps having a big smile. <laughs> warms them up. And then uh, if if I hang around, like, the merchandise area or um, – like in the meet and greet, sometimes you can find like really excited. That that's, that makes sense. Those are the yeah. people who are really taken by the show. Yeah. Okay. So there's definitely people I can target. And sometimes, um, you know, to fill in the time, I'll just ask 
random people. And um, if they're not that exciting, you just don't hear about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've tried to do the same thing at different personal appearance campaigns with Mr. Gerald Flurry over the years. And it's just tough. I mean, yeah. you'd be probably people would be surprised how many you might actually have to ask before they would even be interested in responding sometimes. Yeah. Although it seems like you are a lot more successful with it than I ever was. I, I think having everyone happy after a show might be a little bit different than right. a personal appearance campaign, but, um, yeah, you, you just never know. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned earlier when it comes to planning the tour that you've seen how God can direct where we might end up, uh, touring in a particular season. So do you have any other, maybe a couple examples of miracles that have taken place with the Celtic throne tour? Yeah, there, there are quite a few. Um, and I, I think to me, like just having a theater respond is like a miracle for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're just, just sending out emails yeah. and hoping people actually reply. Yeah, that's that's a tough response. job too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think like probably the biggest one in that regard would just be having access to Ryman auditorium. And that was a really prestigious theater. I think it really helped encourage everyone here too as well to have that opportunity there is a well the covid lockdowns too yeah. helped a lot because mm -hmm. the, like in 2020 when nothing was happening i mean normally a lot of theaters are pretty much booked a couple years in advance right and then a lot of these shows pretty much end up falling off and they might even have to reset their schedule for the year mm -hmm. and so we can kind of at least at the beginning, we can kind of swoop in a little bit later in the process yeah. and, and be able to book some dates. So yeah. that, that even probably helped at the beginning too. I, I think so for sure. Um, and I think especially in the case of the Ryman, that, that was a big help. It does help that we are uh, touring in the summers and the theaters normally they have their seasons like fall, spring and winter because okay. they don't, uh, for the stuff that they put on, um, they don't necessarily want to compete with outdoor recreational activities. But I, that, even with that, I don't think it would have happened without that, what you were saying there. Wow. Um, so that was, that's a miracle in that area. There's been a lot of technical miracles. I think the one that sticks out in my mind was in 2021, we we're in Alabama and, um, we show up later, but you can kind of tell how things have gone. Technically speaking, how, uh, when you show up and see how like, um, the uh, technical crew, Benjamin Bailey, how, how well they're doing <laughs> <laughs> and this time I can just tell there are a lot more stressed basically the the lighting they had a lighting issue in the whole theater where they just had to shut down um power to all that system and the and the theater couldn't guarantee when they flipped the switch it would come back on <laughs> <laughs> so i just remember uh bailey crawford kind of sweating a lot there um and i think this had happened right before we got there it was happening while we we're getting there they they turned the switch off the power went down actually i think parker you would have been there um <laughs> Parker Campbell's in the room with us yes. producing. <laughs> he was he was on the stage duty in that theater and they turn off the power. Everyone said a prayer, they flipped the switch back on, and thankfully it all came back on. And then the whatever technical difficulty they were having was also fixed. But that was just a, a nail biting event for them. There's been plenty of miracles on on the trip. We've we've had a car issue, a van issue that happened uh on our way to Rapid City and um the the car had kind of a mode that prevented prevented from going at a certain speed because of that issue and so and we didn't know exactly what's going on we're still like 
about two hours away. So everyone's saying a prayer. The van was able to limp. Going back to the horse and buggy days of going, <laughs> going maybe 10 miles an hour. <laughs> I think it was like around 20, 30. Wow. We switched around the people. A bunch of teenage guys thought it'd be a lot of fun. And then um, it was it was basically overheating. And so there's like no AC and they're just taking it slow in the uh black hills kind of i think in in um south dakota oh you don't want to get stranded out no, there no you don't <laughs> but they made it back and then it was also kind of a miracle because um we're there for a certain amount of time and you have to get this thing repaired and uh, it's calling all the repair shops and they're all booked out for a week or two but there's this one repair shop with this one guy that um just had an opening so i was able to drop it off get it fixed perfect timing and get it back on the road so that was that was a miracle there there's just tons of miracles i think even in marketing we've seen miracles i, I remember we we're trying to do a, a street show it's like a preview we do to to um, encourage locals to come out and watch the show try and draw some attention in, in a good public setting um and it was in branson downtown there's this branson landing area a lot of shops the river a fountain show so a lot of people in there that we just wanted to basically attract attention to and try to get them to buy tickets for the show and we're just having issues getting permission to go there with insurance and things like that. And I had been in talks with them for like a week. I even was using a middleman trying to ha make it happen. And then like the day before they call me up and say they don't want it to happen. And so we're just stressing out. And then Mr. McDonald finally just talks to them and they, for whatever, for whatever reason, it just worked out, you know? And I think that's great because it just shows you God's government too. What did he say? What did he say? <laughs> Maybe they, they like the, the accent, but <laughs> I, that, <laughs> it just shows like God's government's there. And Mr. McDonald, like he, he's been preparing and working hard on the show. We, we haven't talked about him much, but obviously he's, he's in every aspect and every detail from the performance and how the dancers are dancing, choreography, lighting decisions, uh, decisions for traveling and the tour decisions. If we have some issues with the theater, figuring out if we want to go to or not he'll make the final call he's so uh, he's just uh really busy in you know driving a trailer and, and a truck and all that on top of it um and so that i remember that one too i, I think it just helped emphasize you know, um, god's government there as well if if you just go up the chain um you know things can work out yeah well that's great uh by the time this show plays on the radio the first performance of the season here in Edmond, Oklahoma has already taken place April 30th, but you can go to CelticThrone.com and also ArmstrongAuditorium.org and find out how you can get tickets or even watch live online. I believe there's also a DVD. Is that available on the Celtic Throne website yet? I believe it is. Okay. Yes. I, I checked the website. I can't remember at this time. I think the DVD is available there as well, but just make sure you check out the show this year. It's back. It's better than ever, I'm sure. And uh, Mr. Hill, you have your own podcast, Rewind, Repeat. So all of you listeners, make sure you go over to kpcg.fm and listen to that show as well. Get your history fixed with Mr. Hill. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. And this has been Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time.